Oh yeah, this could be a good one. The pier. Coming from the Caveman Studios in Buffalo, New York. Welcome to Caveman Corner with your host, Jeff. Captain Caveman! Thanks. Click subscribe and the bell. Do it now! Hey, what's going on, guys? So, hey. uh, we have no Ken Shamrock. Uh, Ray's going to do him tomorrow. I moved my private from today to tomorrow to uh, do the podcast with Ken that was supposed to be done yesterday. So uh, Ray's going to try and handle it tomorrow. I'll be uh, at the gym. Uh, what did you have to say? Why don't you introduce our guest and tell us a little about it? And then Charles got a story for us right off the jump. But yes. Ken Shamrock and appear. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So tomorrow, uh, hopefully we could do Ken Shamrock and uh, Charlie Anzone going to be my co-host. Um, he's our guest for tonight too, so he got some stories about Ken Shamrock and the OUFCs. All right, so, go ahead for Charlie. Let's hear the story. Oh, well, 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 I got a couple. Uh, well, one story, <laughs> one story. He came to the pier. I was a, a, a DJ there, I was a music director there. I heard the DJs and stuff. So, Ken, and all them, Anthony Macias, everybody, we all went to the pier. Ken, Ken never had a whole lobster before. So he sits down to dinner. He picks the biggest lobster out of the tank. It was like a Godzilla lobster. And, and they cooked it. They brought it to his table. He's got the lobster, the bib on, you know, and he had no idea how to open the fucking thing. He goes, what do I do? I said, I don't know. I never ate a whole lobster. So he's trying to crack the thing open. He just made a fucking mess. He had more of the lobster on him than he had in his mouth. <laughs> this he was like, he was just like you know <laughs> trying to crack it open and shit. I'm I, I remember one time years ago, I forgot what event it was. Maybe maybe it was in Buffalo. I'm not sure. But uh, Ken's wife, his ex-wife was, was looking for him, and uh, he went and she went and asked uh, Andy Anderson, "Oh, where's Ken?" Oh, uh, he's out with Charlie. So she gets a hold of me. Where's Ken? I go, oh, he's with Andy. Well, right then, <laughs> she knew. He wasn't with either one of us. Uh, and never know where he went. Oh, yeah, she was pissed. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know, Charlie was involved with the early UFCs. We had him on yep. the podcast before. He's a great guy. Always has great stories about the old days, and that's why we like him so much. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I I worked with a lot of interesting fighters, and um, I give a lot of guys their break, you know. Uh, and I book guys in Shudo, Pro Shudo in Japan, which is the best event ever. And uh, K One and Pride, you know, I brought Chuck Liddell to the UFC when my partner One Kick Nick found him for me. I needed an alternate, and he goes, "Well, we got a guy, our friend Chuck Liddell. He's an amateur." Kick, Keppo kickboxer, and he wrestled at Cal Poly for like a year. I said, okay, that's good enough if he can wrestle. And uh, that's how he got the, his first UFC against Noe Hernandez. And then a Brazilian promoter friend of mine, Sergio Bottarelli from Sao Paulo, comes up to me and goes, your guy's tough. I want him to come to, to Brazil and fight Pelé. I said, Pelé's a legend. This is Chuck's an amateur kickboxer. This is his first ever MMA fight. 
So I go, well, how much does Pele weigh? It was 175 pounds. I said, well, Chuck's going to weigh 205. <laughs> and he goes, okay. And he offered us, uh, well, I think it was like back in 19, like 98, 99, whatever, like $5,000 cash. And that was a lot of money back then, if you got paid. So I said, we want half the money up front. So I sent him down there to fight Pele. Uh, it, it, it's on YouTube, Chuck Liddell versus Pele. Brutal, like 30 minutes. I believe it's on uh I believe it's on it's on UFC Fight Pass. So oh, yeah. I got the DVD. I got the DVD. I'm so you okay, man. Did you see that fight? I did not see that fight. Oh, oh you gotta watch that yeah. one. You get you could hear one kick Nick in the corner. He's on top of Pele, and you could hear Nick going, drag his ass over here. And Chuck grabs him by the legs and drags him across the ring into the corner where one kick Nick is that pounding the shit out of him. The, the Brazilians fell in love with him. That that's what they used to have a it wasn't a cage, it was a ring, and they had a net uh, on the bottom rope. So a fighter couldn't sort of sneak out of the ring, you know? Because <laughs> if he did, the fans at ringside would push him back in. Yeah. So they had. I, I was willing to have the guys like hold the, the ref and hold the rope so it'd be like more taunt when they push up against the ropes. Oh, maybe. Oh, down there, the old Valley Tudo, they did anything they wanted. My favorite, my favorite moment in the ring is when. Uh, Vanley Silva's holding the rope, soccer kicking. I can't remember if it was Vegeta or someone else. Just soccer kicking this guy in the face. And the ref is slapping his hand because he can't hold the rope while he's soccer kicking the guy in the head. <laughs> that was like, oh, this is like one of the funniest moments of pride to me. My, my old friend, Vanley, he moved back to Brazil, wanted to raise his kid in Brazil, but he still has real estate here. He's got like two homes, real estate he rents out and uh, stuff. Yeah, he's uh, he was smart with his money. I said, I said, Van. You save any of that money you made in Japan? You still got some money? He goes, every penny. He goes, I wasn't born rich. My father told me money is to save. <laughs> so he was smart with his money. That's good, man. That's good. Had, to hear about. had a lot of good times with him in Japan at the Shudo Valley Tudos every year. Yeah. I used to I used to be the guest ring announcer for the Shudo Valley Tudo. That was a lot of fun. I I, I ring announced the Ensign Inouye Frank Shamrock fight. And the uh, Ensign Inoue uh, Randy Couture fight, and uh, that—that's when all the best fighters from like all around the world went to the Shudo Valley Judo in Japan at once a year, and uh, oh, it was just great. Anybody who was anybody fought in the Shudo Valley Judo. That's crazy. Like, yeah. Hey Charlie, who's your favorite fighter of all time in MMA? In MMA. I got to say George St. Pierre that, and, and, uh, and uh, Nick Diaz. Okay. That's quite the opposite kind of fighter. Yeah, yeah I was the inspector. I was the, when I was an inspector for Nevada Boxing Commission, I was the inspector in, in uh, Nick Diaz's corner when he fought Robbie Lawler. And that's the, that was his debut in the UFC. And he hit Robbie Lawler so hard. <laughs> After he knocked him down, he, he looks at his hand like this. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, I hit him that hard. <laughs> Man, you knew him before he was like the thug DS. That's crazy. Oh yeah, he's he was great. And and when he fought St. Pierre, I was in his corner. And as an inspector, he was so pissed off because he wanted to fight. And St. Pierre just wanted to lay on top of him. And that, and after the fight, we're walking back to the dressing room. He goes, Chuck, get me back to my dressing room. I want to get my 500 grand and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he was mad. 
bunch of guys smoke weed with him when he was up here for FCC. Oh, yeah, I remember but that. Scott oh, Skinner. Smoke yeah, weed with Scott Skinner and Bubba and all them guys. Yes, he was the best. He was so toasted in the pride fight here in Vegas when he fought uh, uh, Gomi. They were both so bloody and beat up, he didn't feel a thing. <laughs> and uh, that, that's when he failed his marijuana test. That's when, you know, the, and they suspended him for like five years or something like that. Really? Yeah, 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 that, that, that was a bad suspension. It's so yeah. crazy that you get suspended longer for weed than you would for like steroids. Like, Oh, that was a stupid fucking decision. That's so insane. Hey Charlie, everybody thinks when when the fighters fight in Japan, um, like all the pride fighters was on steroids. You think that was true, or I don't know anybody. Tested? I don't know anybody that was ever tested there. They did an HIV test, you know, right. and, and uh, but but uh, those guys are so jacked up. They they came once they came over here, they were mortal human beings, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, I brought I did Gary Goodrich's deal in in Pride uh for one year in in that 19 late 90s and and that included uh his first fight in K1. Uh Mr. Ishii Mr. Ishii said, "Oh, I must I must have the big arm wrestler. I need the big black arm wrestler in uh in in K1." That's how we got in K1, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Have you talked to him recently? I heard he's been having a lot of cognitive problems. Who's that? Gary Goodrich? Yeah, like what we just talked about five minutes ago, he wouldn't remember what we talked about. Yeah. No, he was just all hell-bent, man. He either knocked you out or he got knocked out. He just was a wild man, you know? Took a lot of took a lot of shots. Yeah. I yep. forgot. Who's the legend of the cage guy? I apologize. I forgot. Oh, Brian Moore. Brian Moore was all about working with Gary Goodrich. They did a documentary about him and a lot of stuff. So anyone that's listening or watching, check that out. It's like really good stuff. He was a great guy. Never, never stiffed me out of money. Uh, uh, you know, my percent for doing a deal for him, and and uh, just a just a good guy, great guy. And I hate to see, you know, I've seen a lot of fighters end up that way. You look at guys like boxing, like Shane Mosley. Even he's talking oh. slow now, but he didn't he didn't take that much punishment. You know, he was a great defensive fighter, but it doesn't take much, you know, when you have a long career. Yeah, well, I mean, they take, they do so much damage in the gym too. Oh, like, and, and, and that and that you don't know about. Yeah, you don't right. see like you don't know half the damage these guys are taking. Man, there there are wars in the gym. Yeah, yeah. Some guys like to spar every day. <laughs> you know, Mar Maury Smith made a good point years ago. He said, "You know, we train all week." He goes, "We're usually about seventy percent." But one day we go hard. And that's, he goes, that's how you learn to react to a punch and to a kick. And no sense in taking all that punishment five, six straight days in a row. You know, you do your training, but one day, there you go. Let's see. Let's see if we can take this punch, you know? Yeah. That's, uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, you don't know, especially boxers, you don't know how, you know, the, they're in the Philippines, they're in Mexico, they're in the gyms, they're wherever. You, you don't know what, 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 you know, if they get, they've been knocked down 10 times during their training before a fight, you know, you just never know. Such a tough sport. Oh, I've seen some boxers. Uh, so one guy, you know, died the next day uh, after a fight. And uh, there was another one, this Filipino fighter, Zigorza. 
he was fighting up a coming guy. He was on a Pacquiao undercard. Uh, and it was the day before the Pat, big Pacquiao fight. And ESPN did a show at the heart at the uh, uh, House of Blues. And this guy had the whole Philippine crowd there that was there to see Pacquiao the next night. And they're cheering. Yeah, he beat this guy from pillar to post. In the last round, the guy knocked him down. Mm-hmm. And he got up and finished the fight. Of course, he won a unanimous decision. Uh, now, here's the guy never been knocked out, but uh, or knocked down. And, and he's after the fight, he's waving the, the Filipino flag, and the place is going crazy. And I'm looking at him because the inspector was supposed to keep an eye on their fighters on uh, that, you know, his corner were in. And I could see him wobbling a little bit. And I, he came walking towards me and uh, like almost collapsed right on my arms. And I, 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 and I looked at the doctor. Even before, and I said, look at him, look, I'm pointing to the doctor, watch, watch, watch. And he's wobbling. Got, and then I, uh, and in that instant, because I noticed, saw the doctor wave to him, because I noticed he was wobbly on the other side of the ring, they had a stretcher right at ringside for him. I bent down, and they zipped him on a stretcher and brought him to the hospital. And uh, he was in the hospital for, like, a couple of months, you know, in a little little brain damage but uh then he survived in that and uh one doctor said he goes chuck you might have saved that kid's life reacting as fast as you did i said yeah i could see him oh you know and he wasn't touched the whole fight this is the last round of a 10 round fight just takes one just takes one anytime you see guys in there and they take a knee man like you gotta respect it sometimes oh yeah Charlie, do you think it was like a shot in the back of the head? Oh, that's the worst. Right. You know, the top and back here is the softest part of your skull, you know? That's why I went in with the Muay Thai when they did it here in Nevada, and we brought K1 here, when Art Davey brought it here. The first thing, no 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock elbows right here, you know, because that's the most dangerous place to hit somebody. And, uh, and th- those are the rules uh with the ufc later on you know and uh but but punches behind the head rabbit punches yeah that's uh that's that's not good you oh, some, some 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 are not on purpose you you got you you're ducking a punch when the guy's throwing another punch and he gets you into the back head and nothing you can do you know yeah that that's a decision for the ref to make it's tougher in mma too like in boxing like it's pretty easy to tell, but I'm amazed. Like the guys turn and everything's moving. Oh, they turn. twist and turn and lean. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's like. Uh, and then and it happens. Like, yeah. Then the guys are like, "Oh, you hit me in the back of the head." It's like, "Dog, you're moving all over the place." Like. <laughs> well, yeah, and the referee will say, "You know, just you know, it's okay, it's good, keep fighting." Yeah. But you know, it's it's it wasn't on. You you could tell if it's on purpose or not. Yeah, for sure. And it's so easy to get hit in the back of the head when you're in those scrambles. Oh, absolutely. Or get kneed in the head accidentally when you're uh, like the UFC in Buffalo. uh, When Chris Weidman was fighting, uh, what's his name? He was in a four-point stance. And one second, he lifted his hand up, remember? And he got kneed in the head. And he was complaining, oh, boy, you need me in the head. And if you watch the replay... It was just a fraction of a second, but his hand was up, and that's when it, you know, he got he got need, you know. Oh, 
It was definitely a lot better than the Aljo one. Oh. <laughs> that was the worst. There's some good I fights. I can't believe that his um his whole team was saying, Neam, 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 that's so crazy. Yeah. Some sometimes sometimes the corners don't do. You know, one thing you'll see in kickboxer or muay thai or, or in, in in pride or, or or boxing, not pride. I mean K one. A good corner will throw in the towel. Like okay, you've had enough. You know, in MMA they let their guy get the living daylights beaten out of them, and, and their philosophy is well, you know, in MMA, you know, I've seen guys come back, they've been beaten, and they come back and get a submission. I said in the meantime he's getting brain damaged. I mean it's a judgment call for you, you know, because a trainer doesn't want to. Want to think that? Oh, he's not a good trainer. He had to throw the towel in for his fighter. Or in boxing, boom! Here comes the towel. You know, it's uh, save your guy for another day. So me and Ray call the fights for uh, K Four, mm -hmm. which is like a local promotion, as MMA promotion. Mm -hmm. And uh, we saw in a Muay Thai fight, the corner came in and stopped the towel, um, or threw in the towel for for their fighter, uh, Ryan Groom from. Uh, Pittsburgh or from I'm not sure what their name of the gym is. I'm sorry. I know Ryan. I trained with Ryan a whole bunch. I forgot the name of his gym. Like when the spotlight's on me. But um, I was so proud that they they came in. And they stopped the fight. Um, their guy had a really bad weight cut. He was having a hard time breathing, and, and they actually stopped the fight. You don't see that too often in the amateur. So I thought that was a really really good sign for. Uh, yeah, I've seen guys stop. Uh, um... Oh, I threw in the towel in UFC one when Gerard Gerdo was pounding Kevin Rozier. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, oh yeah, rest in peace. That was my boy. Boy, he had his demons. Hey, I remember the the story you told us in the when you first got on the podcast about uh he was on uh ECMC and he called in for Lenovo's pizza. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Lenovo's. Joy Tadaro sponsored all my events. Amateur kickboxing and everything. And he sponsored us in UFC 1. I said, you'll wear all your Lenovo stuff if you can maybe give us a little travel money or do something or whatever. So we had all the Lenovo gear on if you see some of the pictures of the old UFC. Yep. So the night of the UFC, his father, Joe, and his grandfather, you know, Papa Joe, and the boys were having a card game. And they had a big screen TV on. You remember the with the cheater box, you know, and the big yeah. uh, the old yeah. <laughs> that everybody had. Uh, uh, and they're playing cards, and they go, Look, Joe, Lenovo's on pay-per-view. And he goes, The cards went up in the air, everybody yeah. was screaming, yelling, hollering, you know, your guy was pounding this guy on the head, stopping on his head. And uh, they, they they got all excited. So we got, you know, when I got back to Buffalo, that's what they told me the story about what happened when they were playing cards. So a little while later, uh, Kevin was in uh, uh, Buffalo General <laughs> uh, on the 10th floor. Mm. And, uh, you know, what the 10th floor is. And, uh, you know, that's where all the people with mental issues are. Yeah. So he calls up Lenovo's. He goes, Mr. 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 Todaro, this is Kevin Rozier, the fighter that you sponsored on pay-per-view TV. Can I get a free pizza? 
and a sub sandwich? And he goes, well, okay, well, where do you want to deliver to? I'm a Buffalo General on the 10th floor. He goes, I know where you are. <laughs> so he set the whole floor. He said about 10 pizzas and 20 subs and shit to the 10th floor for free. That's awesome. Wow. That's a true story. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what happened to your red coat? For everyone that doesn't know, man, you had this awesome red coat. I had the red tuxedo jacket I wore in <laughs> UFC 3. I was offered a lot of money for that. You know what happened? I rented that, and I should have kept it. When I did, when I got back to Buffalo, I brought the fucking thing home. And then I had people offer me all kinds of money for the fucking thing. Mm, yeah. That's like a collector's item, man. That was like one of the most uh, iconic. That was it. That night, uh, the, one of the creative directors for the UFC was John Milius. John Milius was a screen doctor, screenwriter. He did the Octagon, Predator, Apocalypse Now. And um, he told the UFC, told Horian, Horian Grace is teaching his kid jujitsu. And um, he said, you know, you can use, teach my son jujitsu. You can use my name as a creative director, whatever. After that UFC three with Harold Howard and the red tuxedo jacket and the people throwing shit at me, he goes, Charlie created the first character of the UFC. He's the evil manager everybody hates. Yo, Harold Howard's the best guy, too. If you're coming on, come on! If you ever see Tito Ortiz, ask him about that. He goes, Charlie, that was the best line ever in the fucking UFC. He's yeah. my favorite fighter, dog. Like, I, I want to get a hold of him. You got to hook us up with his information because... No, I, 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 think I, I, I heard he's in Toronto. He's on Facebook, I think. Yeah, I would love to have him on this podcast. I, I'm like a huge Harold Howard fan. He was... He, he was amazing. Him and Roland Most fun-loving guy. Oh, uh, the UFC in Buffalo, what a promotion that was. The weigh-in and the drawing for the fighters was in New York City at Boomer Esiason's bar. Mm. They flew us there just for the afternoon. And and Dennis Rodman did the draw for the fighters. Oh, I didn't know that. At Boomer Esiason's bar. And um, we're at the airport uh, waiting for, uh, or we're somewhere waiting for the, where the hell were we? Maybe at the airport. Some kid goes up to, oh, uh, I saw I saw you in UFC three. He goes, uh, you, you tapped out. He goes, I never tapped out. I got what he said. He goes, I got beat up like a real man. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I got punched out like a real man. Yes. God, you were on the back of the box of uh, UFC three, like uh, when you run when you went to rent the cassette. Mm-hmm. They were on the back of the box in that red uh, outfit. I'll never forget. Oh, that that, that was so many times. That 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 was that was a classic. Yeah, I said I got to do something, and you know we had to fight a fresh alternate because you know Hoist Gracie couldn't continue, and uh, and uh, I think that was the night Ken Shamrock was supposed to fight too. Yeah, he broke. He was. Uh, he pulled. Well, he fought Felix Mitchell. Felix Mitchell was kneeling his knees yeah. and his leg, and he wouldn't come out. Uh-huh. So they. So we had the. Uh, uh, 
he didn't want to fight. He didn't want to fight. If he wasn't going to be able to fight Hoist Gracie, who had pulled out, then he didn't want to bother fighting. That's what it was all about. He ain't bullshitting anybody. <laughs> and and uh, that that and and uh, so so they they after Hoist Gracie threw in the towel and we moved on. Art David comes up to me and goes, Harold Howard's got to fight a makeup fight. I said, no. Hoist, Gracie, father, they threw in the towel. And uh, we and producer of the television of the UFC, the TV producer, Michael Pilot, goes, Art, no. They threw in the towel. Harold Howard moves on. He goes to the final. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, oh, Art was mad. And uh, uh, that was the night uh, on the way back to the dressing room after Harold beat, I think it was Roland Payne. He's walking back to the, we're walking back to the dressing room. And of course, people are throwing shit at me in my red tuxedo jacket. I'm in tag. I'm like, I'm pissed at the crowd. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> you know? And the producer, Michael Pilot, goes, if Harold Howard wins the final, have a camera on Charlie because you know he's going to do something stupid. <laughs> oh, I was ready. But anyway, Harold will walk him back to the dressing room and they had these big giant lights that were going up and down, up and down, and the smoke machine was on. But we were walking through back to the dressing room and bam! Knocked Harold Howard out. Walked head on into it. And the line producer took off his headphones and goes, oh, no. I thought somebody threw a bottle out of the stands at me and hit him. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and um, so crazy. They, they got back. Like some of the backstage accidents at the UFC in the old days, because um, who? Someone else got knocked out jumping up and down too. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Ken, um, Mark Coleman's friend, the the gentleman that died, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Winter, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. knocked himself out backstage too. Oh, there was so much shit that went on, and, but so we're back in the dressing room, and Harold's like. What the fuck, eh? <laughs> and they, they come back. Harold, we'll get an alternate. You don't have to fight if you're injured. And uh, he goes, $50,000, eh? That's a lot. That's U.S. dollars. That's a lot of Canadian. So we're, we're good to go. We're good. I said, we're good to go. We're good to go. So if you see Harold walking out, he's got a tower. His neck was jammed. You can see him with a towel around his neck walking out to the octagon. Yeah. That, that jammed his neck. Well, that, that can't. Had to be 12 inches in diameter. The big colored lights going up and down. Yeah. Boom, right in the head. I know exactly what you're talking about, too, because they kept panning to it during the show. When the yeah. I know exactly the lights you're talking about. They're huge. You know, and Harold is a tall guy. And he yeah. walked, and the, and the fog machine was on. He walked right in the fucking thing. <laughs> oh, damn. That oh, was... then he got beat by Steve Jenham, the fresh alternate. Yeah, he got beat up by Try to do some <laughs> some flip kick or something. In the, oh yeah, yeah. cartwheel. Oh, oh. yeah. Yo, Harold goes back to the days, the full contact karate days with the Billy Blanks, Nasty Anderson, all some of the, the top full contact karate guys back in the day. Oh yeah, he always reminds me of John Claude Van Damme's friend in Bloodsport, the one that got yeah, the, uh, yeah. yeah like, uh, whoever played that guy, like. like there's so many similarities between like I love Harold Howard so much. I, he's like my oh, Ray knows he's my favorite guy. We've been trying to get. Wait, him. you know he was he was in he fought Billy Blanks in the movie TC two thousand. Yeah. Uh, he was in Gladiator Cop with Lorenzo Lamas. He did a lot of stunt work. That. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You did a lot of stunt work with films that were made up in Canada, you know, because it was cheaper to film oh, up, awesome. up there. Oh, yeah. Should have been a Highlander, too. That would have been awesome. Oh. With, with the mother. <laughs> I like to see, I'd like to see a video highlight of him driving his truck through the casino in Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would like to see that too. Oh, I can't oh, he, he was pissed. He was pissed off at his ex or girlfriend or wife, ex or whatever, and he beat up his her boyfriend and then drove his truck right through the fucking door of the casino where she was working. <laughs> I like him more. <laughs> <laughs> it's my kind of guy. <laughs> oh man, oh, but that's a that's a good one. Hey, uh, hey, Charlie, you know uh, any good stories with uh, Frank Shamrock? Uh, oh, we went out a lot. I mean, I, I co I co promoted the event in New Orleans with my old ex partner. Uh, well, he's passed away. Rest in peace, Les Banano. Uh, we got it approved. We got the UFC approved at Mississippi and in New Orleans. And that's when he suplexed. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? The Russian guy, uh, yeah. Igor Zinova. Igor Zinovia suplexed him in like 17 seconds or something like that. I mean, and, and, and the matchmaker John Pretty, uh, history's gonna be made tonight. Igor Zinovia is gonna destroy Frank Shamrock, and I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> And it happened so fast, we thought he was fucking dead. And broke his collarbone and knocked him out. Just I an instant. Something similar was going to happen to Rose when she got slammed. Nam Nunez. Oh, yeah. It was like a very similar kind of throw. Like, not really a similar throw, but similar landing. Yeah, it's an over. He landed on his head and shoulder. Just, and it happened yeah. so fast. It was like lightning. Boom. Frank, Frank, I think, was the overall best MMA fighter ever. Think you better GSP or BJ Penn? Absolutely, absolutely, because he yeah. can do everything. Yeah. Uh, he was a good shoot fighter. He's good in pancreas, but in UFC and and in MMA, you know, but he went to Japan because there was more money to made there. UFC wouldn't pay him. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, look at look. We I had a guy Todd Butler in the UFC as a undercard guy, and, and, uh, and that's the night uh, Frank Shamrock. Uh, submitted uh, uh, the Olympic champion. What's his name? Kevin Jackson. Uh, yeah, coach of the Olympic team. Yeah, and that's how good he was. If I could submit him an Olympic uh, champion. That was like what thirty seconds? Oh yeah. Seconds? Oh, devastating. Yeah. You know, Frank could do this flying armbar thing. You know. That's when I fell in love with Frank. Like I really, I was oh. like, I, I wasn't sure if I liked him or not. But then, man, like. We, I love Kevin Jackson. Like I, I grew up watching Kevin Jackson wrestle. You know, like he was one oh, of my yeah. heroes. And then like Frank just smashed him. I was like, oh man, this dude's for real. Yeah, yeah. and he, uh, but that was, and that was after, uh, you know, uh, Frank got, uh, Frank got really wrecked by uh, Boss Rutten in Pancrase. Yeah. I mean, need him in the head, he went right over the ropes. Right and then asked him about that in the interview. <laughs> and, and, and then Ken avenged that loss and beat the crap out of. Uh, Boss Root. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but Frank, but overall, I mean, he was, yeah, he beat uh, uh, Ensign Inouye, and he armbarred Randy Couture a year later in the UFC Valley Tudo. I like my. Either him or Ensign Inouye, uh, 
in a way, uh, Iron Bride Randy Couture, and that's, that's what Randy. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Lincoln, uh, I don't think they ever fought. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely Iron Bride. Yeah, yeah, and some yeah. Iron I, I was the announcer there. I'm the one who announced them, brought them to the ring, and then Dyke announced them once they were in the ring. Mm -hmm. I was the guest ring announcer. That's so cool. Yeah, I was I was a poor man's Michael Buffer back then. <laughs> <laughs> The family dollar Michael Buffer. <laughs> oh, 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 they, they love me over here. I, I brought I brought Jim. Uh, I booked uh, John Lewis against Ruben Asado in their second fight. I booked I brought Dean Thomas to uh, Shudo. and uh, uh, who else? Rogan. He was just on Rogan the other day. Dean Thomas. He was so good. Him and Matt Sarah. That was such a good podcast. If you guys are like, if you're listening to us, don't turn us off and listen to another podcast, but. When you're done with this podcast, go listen to uh, Din Thomas and. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm so happy where Din Thomas is now. I booked yeah. his first his first you know real fight over in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I brought him you there said twice. Tony Carter on too uh, with Kung Lee. Tony Carter, yeah. I almost yeah. Joel Sutton was training in California uh, at American Chinese Martial Arts, and that's where he met Kung Lee. And years ago, I almost got Kung Lee into the UFC. It's been an early start. That would have been a lot better for his career, probably. Yeah, yeah a long, a long time ago. Yeah, we got Joel Sutton said, "You got to see this kid, Kung Lee. Man, he's good." And uh, yeah, that that almost happened. Joel is a savage. I train with him a little bit too sometimes, and um, trained with uh, Kevin Rozier a couple times. But he was uh, he's a little bit. Uh, it's a little trouble when we train with him by the time we train with him. Hey, Caveman, you and Primo used to, uh, Primo Luciano yeah. used to uh, train with uh, Kevin, right? Yeah, yeah. He gets so mad, like, don't do that armbar shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. I saw, him at, um, I saw him at Caster Combs oh. the last time I saw him. He didn't even remember who I was. Yeah. I, like, yeah, um, I, went, I, I went to his funeral this thing they had there in Buffalo. What a shame. Yeah. yeah. It's, tough. it's tough to watch fighters. Like, some guys come out and they seem fine. And, man, some guys are just changed forever. You know, Kevin used to do a lot of coke and shit and all that, you know. And then he was a manic depressant. He'd be taking lithium and coke. And, and, and he uh, just uh, his ex-wife didn't do him any favors either. And uh, she was hoping he would croak. What a shame. <laughs> But uh, he's married like three times, has about five kids and three different women. Man. Uh, and UFC one, uh, do you ever see Kevin Rozier's son, his oldest no. son? Uh -uh. Looks like his twin, <laughs> exactly like his father. That poor kid. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I hope, he, I hope, he, I hope he turns out better. But, uh, what, you, what you thought when um when Kevin was there was an interview, and he was like, "What's your strategy?" He was like, "Let him hit me." <laughs> yeah, let, let him hit me. <laughs> yeah, the other guy tired out. Yeah, Zane Frazier. Were you uh were you the the mastermind of that great uh plan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Well, what happened was we expect you know it's an eight man tournament. Okay, we won the fight. Let's go rest. Let's go take a breather, get some ice and some stuff. And 10 minutes later, they go, Kevin Rozier, you're up. You're up. The fights were only lasting like a couple of minutes. And, uh, you know, we thought we'd have like a good 20-minute break or so, you know. 
And they come back a few minutes later. You're up. You're up. We had to fight Gerard Gardot. <laughs> yeah. How good was Gerard Gardot? Like, he oh, was very so good. good. Like, uh, he was a good stand-up fighter. Yeah. Very good stand-up fighter. Yeah. Great guy. He's a biker. He's, a, he's like a... He's the only guy where his gym is in The Hague. You know, they got biker gangs here. They got the Hells Angels. They got uh, uh, a, a few others. And, you know, you don't wear your colors if you're not one of the yeah. few, you know. But he had his colors on. Kamakura Jim, the Hague, Holland. You know, nobody fucked with him. He goes, I'm going to wear my colors on my Harley anywhere I want. Yeah, he was well, very well respected. He seemed like a gangster. Everyone always said he was uh, like a Nazi. Oh. Oh, oh that when, oh, when, when he came out, of course, the UFC was owned by Jewish guys. And... Uh, <laughs> and Gerard Gerdau comes walking out into the end of the ring. Boom, boom, boom to the to all four sides of the ring. And David Isis goes, "Did he just do a Nazi salute?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, that was so funny." Yeah. Oh, they were white supremacists. Yeah. When we were in Denver, they went up. Uh, uh, they went up into the woods. Uh, they went up to visit some biker guys there. You know, white supremacists. You know, and, uh, oh, they went up. There. In Denver, yeah, there, oh yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I went saying I went them. It was it was me, uh, Sean Doherty, <laughs> and uh, he was he was a. I'm like he was a podcast. He's like, well, you should have some acid for sure. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not taking acid for your dog for sure. I remember when I put him in the UFC, he was the youngest ever to be in the UFC at the time. He was 18 years old. So we were hanging out with me, him, Gerard Gerdo, Freck Hamaker, and one of their other uh, uh, Dutch buddies with the wire rim Nazi glasses on. And we're going to this nightclub in Denver. And I said, Sean, come up with a fake. Dutch accent and tell him you don't have your ID. You left your passport in a hotel. That's how he got into this fucking life. He was 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I like Sean a lot. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, I know him quite a bit when he was up in town. Yeah. I, I remember when he was homeless. He was just about homeless. You know, he lived in a, came here to train. He lived at Kevin Rogers' gym and he didn't have a place to live and back where he's from. And then, uh, I, I got him in the UFC, introduced the people. He ended up joining the Lions then, you know, for a while and starting, you know, and, but yeah, he'll, he'll always say, you know, he goes, I was homeless until I met Charlie Angelo and I helped him out. I liked the kid. I was just to give people a chance, you know? He's uh, he's training with Mel Fisher now and like he's on the local scene in Ohio. So like, yeah, every now and then. it's uh, always good to watch him, man. Like, he's yeah, he's from, Kyog he's from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. Oh, I didn't even that's awesome. So he's back home, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was from yeah. California for some reason. I don't know why I thought that. But I know he's from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I don't know where he's training now, but he came to Vegas a couple of times. We got together. Yeah. He's in a, I don't know, he's like by Strong Style. I don't know where uh, where exactly he is, but he's by uh, by Strong Style right now. Yeah, he's, he's a good kid. Good boy. I'm happy for him. You know, he went in the Air Force for a while, and then, and then he got uh, He's married now, and uh, yeah, he's he's doing well. He used to be a Mormon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I mean, here's the Mormon story. So, like, 
He's a very entertaining interview for sure. Oh yeah. Well, Las Vegas here is all Mormon, just about. You know, and all the all the uh, a lot of your Hawaiian fighters, Islanders, they're all Mormons. Mm. Yeah, I I worked with a lot of Islanders at the airport, my day job, and uh, we we're talking. You know, they're they're. I said, why are you guys all Mormon? He goes, well, the Mormon missionaries went through the Pacific, converted our grandparents, <laughs> you know, years ago. That's why we're all Mormon. Yeah. Wow. Man. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you missed out on all the money in the UFC? Can you imagine, like, if you're a manager now, like, the money that you would have made instead? You wouldn't have had to have the airport job. Like, everything would be so different. Yeah, but you didn't know where it was going to go back then. But I made good money. I got 10 15%. Gary Goodrich's deal, that was over $100,000 for one year. I got 15%. Yeah, all, I did was send some, all I did was send faxes. And uh, everybody else, I got 10%, 15%. And I got to go to Japan with them. I, I did the first IFC in Kiev in the Ukraine. Uh, uh, I, I made more money with freaking Flyer Miles. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. Is that the one where they hit all the tapes? Is that the IBC where they oh, hit all the uh, had to smuggle the tape out of Ukraine. Ah. Uh, oh, shit, look at you. You were all prepared. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Well, let me tell you about that event. <laughs> it was it was backed by a Ukrainian mod, and uh, they put up the money. I mean, Ukraine, Ukraine, give it's so corrupt. They uh, uh, they asked me if I'd be the last minute ring announcer. I said, "Oh shit, I don't have any thing to." I was like the event quarter. I don't have anything to wear. So Buddy Alvin, a promoter, gave me his suit coat. Ron Van Cleef gave me his tie. And that was my, my ring announcer uh, outfit. And uh, I had to announce all these uh, Russian oligarchs, if you want to call them that. Um, one guy owned GM Ukraine Canada. Another guy owned this. Another guy. Like, how am I going to pronounce these fucking guys' names? This arena was packed. In Kiev, and um, so I spelled them out the way they sounded, you know, mm -hmm. that's how I announced their names. Um, and um, and then somebody I, I would do it in English, and then they had a guy in Russian at ringside, you can um, do it in Russian, and they then he heard something, something, Charlie, he must have said, Your ring announcer, Charlie Anzel, and the whole place started roaring. I'm like, Hey, you know. <laughs> Well, who this guy was, this Russian guy who was doing, we'd alternate. I, I didn't answer in English. He didn't answer Russian. So we're talking afterwards. He goes, you're from Buffalo, New York. I said, yeah. He goes, you know Alexander McGilney? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He's in my club every night. And uh, when I worked at Kicks, he goes, I was with Alex when he left. He goes, I, uh, I, uh, uh, what, what the hell did he say? He goes, we were going to the airport to get the flight after we were, I think they were playing in Norway or Sweden or someplace. And he goes, I was with him when he left. Now he's rich, good for him. <laughs> so I get back to the club. I think I wrote down his name and address and all that. I, and my picture with this guy was on the front page of the Kiev newspaper the next day. So, hey, Alex, you know this guy? And he looks at it. 
looks at me, looks at it. Where do you know him from? <laughs> I, said, I was just yeah, when I met this guy, he said uh, he's happy you're making a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, yes, sir. That's crazy. Now, did you ever see a thing on YouTube about Alexander McGinley? No. How they got him to Buffalo? No, I never saw that. Oh, you got to do it. Alex McGinley, Buffalo Sabres. It's a documentary. How they, the KGB looking for him, the Russian army looking for him. He was with the hockey team. They had to smuggle him from hotel to hotel, town to town in Sweden and Norway and shit and get him get him on a plane to get here. People from the Sabres are there, some of the Buffalo media. Oh, yeah. It would make like a thriller movie. Man, awesome. uh, how they got, oh, yeah, of how they got him there. Yeah. And a guy helped him. Alex paid him a bunch of money and helped him. The guy helped smuggle Alex out of there. But then once they, they had to go from town to town, hotel to hotel, and, and hope the KGB didn't find him for defecting from the Russian hockey team. He was the first one to do it. And, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, watch it. It's, it's pretty crazy. Man, I know. I got some required uh, watching tonight. And, and now he's back in uh, Russia. He went back after he retired from hockey. He's coaching hockey there. Oh, wow. That's cool. I'm glad they didn't shoot him. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe you went back. But, yeah. uh, you know, he always, I, I said, Alex, where are you from? He goes, as far east as you can go where it's fucking colder than Buffalo. He's from, like, Siberia. <laughs> yeah, he's from eastern, eastern, eastern Russia. Yeah. No wonder it skates so fast. Alex Mogilny. Mm -hmm. That was a superstar for the Sabres. Oh, my God. Oh, he was. They just, you know... Uh, they, well, they got robbed in the one Stanley Cup, I think. The the, the uh, gold no gold no gold. Dominic Hasek was pissed. Oh, um, <laughs> Brett Hall, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> McGillney was McGillney was livid. That was the Stanley Cup right there. Yeah. Yeah. And and all the years. With the before uh, 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 Hasek, you know, they had the French connection. They had all these other great players, but we didn't have the goaltending. We finally got the goaltender, the best goaltender ever, and, and uh, we got robbed, I think. Best to play the game ever, for sure. Uh, Even though I think Harold Howard's the best fighter ever, I, I think you're wrong with uh, Frank Shamrock, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Shamrock. Hey, Charlie, what do you think about this uh, slapping competition when they just sit there and slap each other? I think it's kind of stupid, but, you know, some of them get really, some of them get really fucking hurt. If you miss the fucking side of the face and hit somebody in the temple, you'll kill the fucking guy. Yeah. You know? That one guy's face was pretty messed up, that Russian guy. That oh, swollen, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I like, uh, uh, you know, because they can't slip a punch or anything. They got to stand there. And so people's brains are rattling against their skull, you know. I, I like when a little guy whacks a big guy. <laughs> My favorite was when that blonde girl got hit and she got, like, all messed up and she fell down to the floor, roll and stood up, like, whoa, and then she fell down again. That was, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Was I like that. That was one of my favorite videos from the slap contest. We actually yeah. got to get uh, that Cole Young guy on uh, – we should get him on, right? He's local. He fought MMA locally, too. So, right. Uh, uh, he's from Rochester, right? 
Yeah, he's in a power slap league with Dana White, so we could get we should get him on too. Talk about power slap. I don't know what Dana was thinking with that. You know, he said it was done in Russia and stuff like that, and over in Eastern Europe and stuff. And uh, he thought he'd start a new thing. And uh, he put I guess a lot of money in that. A lot. He of said money. he said they paid him a big deal. He must have paid him a ton of money to do that. Like that cable network. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And uh, a lot of views too. They get. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because it came out right when he slapped his wife, so it was like perfect. Nah. It was like he did on purpose. Uh, who cares if Dana, Dana and his wife were drunk and they got in a fight? You know, who cares? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Um, Dana was the first. Dana was the first choice to run the UFC when the Fertitta brothers bought it. It was John Lewis, and John Lewis turned it down. He just wanted to be the matchmaker. And uh, yeah, they said, "Well, we already got a, we got to have you run a show, John. We already got a matchmaker." Yeah. And he, he passed passed it down. They told Dana because he was teaching Dana and the Fertitas Jiu-Jitsu at his JSEC Jiu-Jitsu studio here in Las Vegas, John Lewis. And uh, he was saying, "You know, I got a lot of other stuff going on and stuff. You know, I'll, I'll pass." And he go, "Well, Dana, we, we got a hotel business to run. You got to run this UFC thing." No, man, what a He's got to be kicking himself too. He could be that billionaire Dana White. Yeah, but but John's a billionaire making movies now, so yeah. drives a Bentley around Hollywood. You know? Yeah. But who knew? It was you know the the, the event was on life support. Yeah. And uh, you know they they wanted out. They blew like forty five, forty six billion dollars trying to get it over. And it got crazy. taken off. It got it yeah. got taken off a pay per view, and they said, Dana, get me you know, get me out of this. You know, we got to try to strike a TV. When they did that TV deal, the only network that would take it was Spike. Because they had to pay him. They had to pay him to put it on. It's so crazy. $10 million. Well, yeah. those, networks, those networks don't buy shows. You you got you to gotta buy the time, you know. Yeah. They, um, they're not in the business of buying events, these cable networks. It's like you, you got a sponsor. You got advertising. You got to pay for the time. And um, that was the last check. And Yeah, uh, yeah that was the best investment ever. And it was on free TV for the first time with Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner, rest his soul, going toe to toe. It was crazy. We had yep. Stefan Bonner on before, uh, rest in peace, that he passed too. And uh, yeah. he's got a bunch of little tiny dogs. And he's like out walking his dogs when we did the podcast. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah, he he's was like a really cool guy. He was a real cool guy. Stefan yeah. Bonner was a cool guy. He had his demons too. He tried to burn his house down and everything. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was he was a good guy. You know what what happens? You know, guy was a college grad. He was a um, Gracie student in Chicago, and and he, you know, once he got oh, in the wow. UFC, started started making some money. You're a fucking big star now, and all goes to your head, and you start partying, and da 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 You know, and uh, he just didn't quit. Took its toll. Yeah. Sucks. It sucks. It does. You know, Chuck Liddell, he got what knocked out in five of his last six fights or something like that. You know, with yeah, one punch. Was, and he uh, the last fight too. Yeah, and uh, but he's smart because he had an accounting degree from Cal Poly, so he knew how to manage his money. <laughs> yeah, he lives in Calabasas now, I think. Yeah, he'd be a good one to get on too. Ray's trying to get it. Ray's trying to get him. Well, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Chuck. We had Hackman on. He was an awesome guy. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, but his uh, Hackman, Hackleman, his gravy train's over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Charlie, when are you coming back to Buffalo? July uh, 13th, uh, I leave the 18th. You missed it. We were talking about the disco before Ray got hit. Ray was late, like always. So uh, Ray missed the disco. Me and Charlie had a whole disco conversation before Ray got here in the green room. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's the most it's the most fun event ever. My nephew, who's like in his late forties, uh, I think he just turned fifty, maybe. He went to the World's Edge Disco for the first time with a girl last year, and he goes, "I've never seen so many hot, cute girls." Where do these girls do 300, the other 364 days here in Buffalo? I've never seen these girls. <laughs> you know, oh, it's like, gotta... there are thousands oh, of them. Thousands of them. He goes, I, I can't believe all these girls. Uh oh. I got to go to the disco party then. I got to dress up in my oh. white suit. Oh, oh yeah. Disco, all the, the lights will bounce off your head. You look great. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wear yourself, wear yourself a zoot suit like Dr. Buzzard Savannah Band. Yeah, the old, the old 70 zoot suit look like August yeah. I know. Hey, K Man, um, we got to get Charlie in a K4 event when he comes to Buffalo. Yeah, he could be the ring announcer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could, do, I could do that. Yeah. You know what I did when Angelo Castricone did an event? Years back, I came back to Buffalo to visit. I went and guest ring announced one of the events. Yeah, he's having, he's having his show soon in October, too. Uh, I forgot the date. Uh, no, it's November. I'll, I'll November. be back October 6th and 7th for my delayed uh, COVID-delayed 50th class reunion. And then I'll be back again on the 21st, that long weekend, for my uh, godchild's uh, wedding. Cool, man. We can get you over to Castricons, too. I Hopefully, I have a couple guys fighting on the car, too. Uh, me and Angelo, me and Angelo kicked ass as promoters, and we got together. I said, "Look, I'll get the sponsor money. Uh, I'll you put the fighters together. I'll put the asses in the seats." Mm -hmm. And that's we made a deal with uh, uh, Molson Beer, beer distributor. That's awesome. Yeah, the Molson Kickboxing Classic, mm -hmm. and uh, we did like six, seven, eight, nine shows. Everyone made money. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey man, maybe we could get Bud Light uh sponsor us. Uh, that's a corny, just a corny joke. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, 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 and get tranny ring girls. <laughs> oh, that'd be hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, my goodness. Uh, but, hey, uh, Mark Hall at all? Who? Did you Mark Hall at all? No, I didn't. Never ordered him. He tried to steal Joel Sutton for an event. I called him. I said, "Don't you ever call him. Call me direct." Yeah. We, had a, we had him on the podcast, and like this is what this podcast already released, so we can talk about it. Um, he uh, he was talking about all this God stuff, and then the next thing he was like, the next thing he told us was like, you know, like when you duct tape hookers and you put them in your trunk. We're like, what? <laughs> and then he's like, can you just cut that part out? And we're like, no. <laughs> yeah. That was the he craziest was thing I've ever heard. Begging me all week, before. cut it off. <laughs> it took so long to edit it because it's got that stutter. So I had to edit all the yeah. stutter. It was, it was, I spent like four hours working on that one. It was that's, when he rolled, that's when he rolled over when he fought Don Fry. <laughs> yeah. 
because they were managed by the same guy and they, they fixed all the fights. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's well known. Yeah. Now they were saying a lot of the pride fight was fixed. You know, um, a, lot, a lot of pancreas, I think, were works. When I was told my people over there, uh, pride, uh, who knows? They don't know. They just paid so much money. You did whatever. But but I, I, I can tell you, you know, they, they would come to our rooms with manila envelopes after the fight with cash and a hundred dollar bills, 10, 15, 20, 25000 dollars But you couldn't um take all that money back. You can't bring more than ten thousand dollars in or out of the country. So it uh, Ken Shamrock told me this trick. Uh -oh. He used to have a, a bank account in Japan, I guess. And he used to deposit all his money. You know, for, he made a lot of money with Pancrase over there. He's a big star. And he goes, every time I sent my fighters over there to fight in Pancrase, I'd make a withdrawal and I'd give them each like five grand a piece to bring back to me. You know, <laughs> so so when we got paid, I think it was with Gary Goodrich or one of them, or uh, one of the Valley Tudos we did that I had Harold Howard in, uh, the World Valley Tudo Championship. Uh, we fought Hugo Duarte and a bunch of people. Anyway, we had all this cash. And uh, before we went to the airport, okay, you take six, seven thousand, you take six, eight, you take seven thousand, ten thousand, eight thousand. And we go through customs. Do you have more than ten thousand dollars on with you? No. Nope. As soon as you get through customs, get our back here. Here's your money. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And you I take like my told him to sneak it through, like he did with Pride. He was telling us uh, how he snuck all the money back into the country. We're like, oh shit, that's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Cash, yeah. envelope, manila envelopes. Pilot, a little girl, the little girl, little Japanese girl that worked for Pride and all that, and K1 came to your room. Here was your pay for tonight's event. Mm -hmm. Big manila envelope, full, ten, fifty, twenty thousand dollars hundred dollar bill. Yeah. Cash. That's the best. No tax. Oh, oh did, I, did I say that? <laughs> I did not hear that. The IRS agents that are watching that did not hear that. <laughs> Still, the statute of limitations is up. I hope so. Yeah, 25, 25 years ago. But UFC is going to be 30 years old. God damn. Yeah. Just joined, so not sure if it was discussed. Wondering if Mr. Anzalone has any stories about Adrian Adonis. Dark Side of the Ring is releasing an episode on him on Tuesday, so it'd be cool to hear any stories. Adrian Donaldson, Keith Frankie, he was one of the toughest kids on the West Side. I was president of my frat for two years, Kappa, Kappa Phi Sigma. I had five chapters, about 120 members of my gang. And we, you know, we ruled Gastown in North Tonawanda. Uh, we had a big chapter in Amherst, Lancaster, North Main, near UB. And uh, he was in, uh, what was he in, KB or Phi Beta? I'm not sure which one. And uh, uh, yeah, he was a Tough kid on the west side. And then he became a professional wrestler. Mm -hmm. Wait, he was from Buffalo? I didn't know he was from Buffalo. Adrian. West, west side. Oh, yeah. Keith Frankie. Shit, yeah. He was, oh, he, wow. was a bad, he was a bad boy in high school there on the, on the west side, yeah. And he was a good amateur, good collegiate high school, collegiate, collegiate wrestler. Yeah. Yeah. He so liked that. Uh, like, uh, they've been posting about Adrian Adonis a lot lately. Yeah, he, he liked the liked the party. Oh yeah, they're they're promoting this uh this uh, dark side of the ring. It's a shame how he died. Yeah. 
You know, you read about how they robbed him. No, how they robbed him? The truck with the referees and the ring were following them in the van. They swerved to miss a big moose and went down an embankment into like a river. Well, one of the guy, one of the guys in the van survived. And what happened was the other guys in the truck with the they pulled over. They went down, thought they were all fucking dead. Start picking their pockets, and Adrian had like twenty five, thirty thousand dollars in cash. His wife said from a, a a promotion they did a couple nights before. They used to get paid in cash. They traveled from event to event. Motherfuckers robbed them. Mm. And the other guy, yeah. And the one guy who survived, he ended up, I guess, testifying against him. They arrested him and got and they got the money back. Yeah, the motherfuckers. And they said he really didn't die for the accident that he drowned or whatever. They said they ran down there. They they could have helped him. They could have, you know, kept him from drowning, you know. Man, I didn't know any of that. I knew about the accident, but I didn't know he got robbed. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sabu did a good uh there's an interview with Sabu about that. I'll just check that out too. I learned a lot from yeah. this podcast already. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Keith Frankie, boy, he liked the party, boy. He used to like the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know he was from Buffalo. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. You know, all the kicks must have been a crazy place to be at uh, back in the day. Like, you seem to know all the partier guys. So, seems like you had a pretty interesting life. Oh, in the, 80s, in the 80s, it was Mulligans, man. That was the club. Yeah. I loved DJing there in the 80s. I DJed for like three years. Hey, Charlie, um, back in your disco days, did you ever go to Studio 54? I was there once in the late 70s during the Billboard Disco Convention. I went again in the 80s after the second group of owners tried to reopen it and make it happen. Um, we were at the Billboard Disco Convention, and um, the deal Bill Wardlow made with Steve Rubell uh, in the studio that if you had your credentials from the uh, billboard disco forum, you got to go in. Well, he reneged on that. So very few people got in. I was outside in a sweaty summer fucking heat for two hours. Finally, a guy I know from a record label said, Charlie, what are you like, Come out with me, I'll get you in. So I'm going in there looking for my friends. Well, I'm walking in. You you know, you went through the doors. You went down this long hallway into the club. This was an old theater. And uh, my friends are walking out. So where the hell you been? Man, we've been here for two hours partying. I said, yeah, I've been out outside, sweat my balls off outside for <laughs> two hours. Uh, I had great DJs, yeah. When were you open in the 80s? Uh, John Siglia from Buffalo, he DJed there um, when he had moved to New York. But in the 80s, the, uh, the Wall Street yuppies and their coke and attitudes and, you know, really fucked up the vibe. We're in the late 70s, the original studio. His black, gay, straight, white, Latino, whatever, all came together and partied together. And uh, but in the 80s, they had that attitude, and it sort of sucked. That's when people started going back to Brooklyn, uh, the Bronx, Queens, going to the clubs there, like Elephants and Queens and all these other clubs. Yeah. 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 Did you Did you ever see the VH1 special? I did. Uh, no. You didn't. No, we're old, man. We're young, man. We're not as old as you, so. We, oh God, this thing, this thing, this, this thing was done in two thousand and six. Yeah, I remember hearing about it, but I never see, I got to see it. I probably oh, go, on, go, on, go, on, go on, go on YouTube. Yep. It's called "When Disco Ruled the World." Okay, you was on there too, right? Was you? Oh yeah, I'm on there more than anybody. 
Yeah. I'm typing that in right now. I'm jamming it. There's oh, a British version. There's a British version, and then there's the uh, the one that VH1 did. You see it. Yeah, there it is on YouTube. That's for sale, too. I hope you made some money on that. I hope you got some royalties. Sure, you got nothing. Yeah, yeah, but, I got, but I got, but I got famous. Yeah, it's on YouTube and it's on. Uh, you can buy it from Amazon too. I just looked at it. Oh, right okay. Now and I searched it. I God definitely gonna check that out. And I'll, and before my battery runs out, uh, yeah. I got plugged in. It's not charging for some reason. Anyway, um, I uh, um, I just did a podcast, a DJ podcast too. That's on YouTube. Cool. If you want to type that, you'll love this one. What's you'll love this one. It's called Road Podcast. R-O-A-D Podcast. Reflections of a DJ. Episode 282. Oh, you piss your pants. It's funny as hell. Hey, K-Man, could you put the link in the comments here? Yeah. Uh, hang on one second. It's on SoundCloud. It's all, it's all over. It's everywhere. Uh, yeah. Bring it up. I'm going to put the link right in here so you guys can all see it. I'm doing Ray's job because Ray is not. Ah, uh, hey, I don't. Hey. <laughs> guys, you can just click on that and it'll take you to it. Cool. Oh, it's a fun podcast. Those are some of the top resident DJs in Las Vegas. I did it with my, my buddies. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. All right, man. We'll let you out of here before your uh, your phone kicks out. You got anything you want to plug or sponsor while you're uh, while I got you here? No, but I hope to see you guys when I'm back. We yeah. would love to see you. We gotta get Absolutely. some uh, some good food. Oh yeah. I heard Ray. You guys went out last time, right? Oh yep. yeah, we went to we went to Bobby J's. Yep. God damn it. Uh, like, I was great spot. I was like, why did you like he didn't tell me until after you guys went out that you guys were going out. Oh yeah. yeah was, you, was busy, man. you was busy. I don't know. I, 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 always, I, always, I always gotta pay my respects to the Desiderios. Absolutely. I can make time. I can make time for, for Charlie. I think I I can make yeah. time for sure. You definitely gotta you definitely gotta go somewhere to eat when yeah, you we'll do something. I'll do something. Yeah. I'll have more time this time. Usually, I'm at three, four days. I'm out. You know, I'll be there for a week. We'll put on a caveman corner tab. We'll uh, we'll, we'll charge to the podcast. We'll write it. <laughs> yeah, we treat you. <laughs> yeah, it's our turn to treat you. Thank you for coming on, and hopefully, you and Ray do a good job with Ken tomorrow. If he doesn't come on, make sure you guys blast him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and some fun times back then. Ooh, I bet. Oh man. Tell some embarrassing stories like getting divorced or something. <laughs> I, I told I told you the one <coughs> from an ex-wife. She'd be looking for him, asking Andy Anderson. Then he said he's with me. Then you know, we were both lying. <laughs> so it was like obvious. But yeah. It was fun. Those are the fun days. And uh I'm glad I lived it, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, August third. Sure August third. August third, man. I'm gonna be seventy fucking years old. God damn! Yeah. You look so good for seventy. And I and I survived all that shit. 
Watch, sure, watch. Watch the podcast, the road podcast. You'll love oh, it. I got, I got it queued up here, so I, I, I have it. It, it, go, it goes in the a detail. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-oh. <laughs> My bad boy days. Uh-oh. Oh, man. I think that one cool. picture you had with the uh, the lady from, uh, where they was from, uh, Bolivia. Oh, the girl from Bolivia? In the hotel, he had two ladies. With you. <laughs> oh, that was fucking nuts. <laughs> I was so, but we went to the private Nazi club, the private German club that night with a friend of mine who we met. He was the uh, economic advisor for the Bolivian Armed Forces. Great guys. Pepe Antonelli was his name. We all going to take you to the private German club. They look through the little thing. They frisk us when we get in. All these old, this is back in the early 80s, like 83, 84. There's all these old Nazis that are drinking beer, eating, talking German because they had no extradition treaty. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was, we were so fucked up. We had these two girls, took them out of their club, and all the guys at the club wanted to kill us for taking their fucking girls. And uh, I got back to the hotel. I was told, so I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. She looked at me, she goes, Mucha coca, no mas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, hey, Charlie, it's crazy how, like, how many um, Nazis in South America. Oh, yeah. Uruguay, Paraguay, La Paz, big German community in, the, in, in La Paz for that very reason. Yeah. 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 You know, they all went down there uh, to get away. I'm going to dive into conspiracy theory territory here, even though I'm trying to sign out the podcast. Do you think that Hitler uh, escaped and lived somewhere else? Oh, oh fuck, fuck no. He was too stupid to escape. Yeah. He didn't want to get captured because Stalin said he was going to put him in a cage and put him on display in Moscow. Oh, no, he, he didn't want that. Yeah, he's he done. Yeah, because... Man, you guys shut down all my fun. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was watching a documentary about uh, all the botched executions for the Nuremberg trial. Mm -hmm. The guy who had, did the noose and the rope, he didn't put enough length on it to have them drop enough based on their weight to snap their neck. So out of like 18 that were hung, six of them fucking strangled to death. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this one guy he was dangling for 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, they Guy fucked up with the noose. Ooh. Well, he weighs this much. He's got to drop this distance. Well, he fucked up, and it wasn't enough to snap his neck. So they, let him, so, they yeah, we him <laughs> so they let him choke. So they let him So they let him choke to death. We went dark. We went to Nazis and killing people. Oh, my God. It's like we got <laughs> Mark Hall on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you so much for being on. I'm well, we're going to see you tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, Ken's really late, and I can be back in time for uh, for the end of the podcast so I can jump in and be like, so no, I'm just kidding. If he comes on, it'll be great to have him on. But uh, if he doesn't come on, that's like four times in a row he stiffed us. So talk some shit about Valor. <laughs> we get uh, David Feldman on tomorrow. Yeah, we can we'll talk to him. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. All right, guys, thank you very much. Thank you for watching. Uh, like always, like and subscribe. Please uh, help us support the podcast. Shoot us some stars or f Facebook, whatever, however you send us money. We'll take it all. Uh, and we appreciate having you guys on. Thank you, guys.
Peace. All right. That was fun. Talk to you soon.